The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Hello once again, and uh, thank you for joining me at Besides Still Waters. Uh, We are in a new series uh, called One Size Fits All, and uh, we're going to be looking at the choices that we have to make, which are uh, life or loss. Life or loss. And uh, today we're going to consider the life of uh, Joshua. We're looking at a man who chose life over loss. I know that many of us don't see these choices as being as uh, simplistic, if you will, uh, that simple that we either chose, uh, choose A or B, but that's really what it comes down to. In fact, it's really an aggregate of choices that leads to the next pivotal moment. And when we look at the life of Joshua, we have to go all the way back to uh, Exodus chapter 17, where uh, the narrative opens in a battle with uh, local peoples, uh, descendants of Amalek. And of course, they sprung onto the scene and uh, came and fought with Israel. And it necessitated that Moses uh, go on the uh, hill and uh, have his arms uh, extended towards heaven. But of course, uh, when he was weary, uh, Amalek, we are told in uh, Exodus chapter 17, Amalek prevailed. So it necessitated that uh, his hands be um, uh, supported and thus giving Israel the victory. However, in the battlefield, that's where we came face to face with Joshua because Joshua was tasked with leading uh, the armies of Israel against Amalek. And, of course, uh, this was mortal combat. This was a life-and-death struggle. So our, um, our view of Joshua opens where a man makes a commitment uh, for the good of a nation, for the good of the promises of God, to lead the armies of Jehovah, if you will, Uh, on their way to the uh, land of promise. And then we come to uh, another event where Moses is called uh, up into the mountain where uh, what I would consider a national milestone, where Jehovah is going to give uh, Moses the law and the commandments, uh, the Decalogue. And Joshua, his attendant, was... uh, call upon to uh, accompany Moses uh, as his attendant. However, what we have to realize is that in this event, Moses was going to be with Jehovah for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, there were some uh, accompanying leaders 
uh, as well, but they were told to remain some distance uh, on the mount, and uh, Joshua continued on with Moses. Now, we are not told what Joshua saw, heard, experienced, but we know that he was there. Would he be as close to the uh, cutting-edge events as God gives to Moses uh, the law? We are not told. But what we do know is that he was not left behind with the other leaders of Israel. Uh, Joshua went up into the mount with Moses. So this young man, this attendant, is beginning to get a bird's-eye view of the devotional life of one of Israel's greatest leaders and perhaps one of the greatest men in history uh, from a spiritual standpoint in terms of leading uh, a nation and being the intercessor and the go-between this nation and uh, the God of heaven and earth. And Joshua happens to be nearby. But it gets better. I think the turning point for Joshua is in uh, chapter 3 of Exodus, and uh, it bears um, noting, in fact, you know, quite honestly, I, I really love uh, this narrative because it really tells us something about the heart of Joshua. And uh, we are told that when the people saw Moses going uh, to the tent of meeting, Once he got there, uh, Jehovah came down in the form of a cloud to speak with Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then when he turns again to return to the camp, of course, by this time, everyone is worshiping at the tent door when they are observing this really sacred scene of a man going to meet with God. And as soon as he gets there, God comes to meet him. And I think this has for us a lesson about the heart of God. Now, we're looking at a man who chose life over loss, but it's also important to note the lessons that we learn along the way. God is taking the time to meet with a man who is going to lead a nation, but he is meeting with a man. And most importantly, he waits until that man gets to the place that, if you will, they have agreed to meet. And when that man is there, God will show up. But uh, we are told that when Moses uh, uh, met with God, he came down in the form of a cloud, and then Moses returns uh, to the people. But we are told that Joshua remained behind, okay? He turned again to return to the camp, and his minister, his attendant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tent. Now, we are not told what happened in that moment when Joshua made his personal decision to know Jehovah, the God of Israel, for himself. But it is noteworthy. That was his decision. He fought in the war with Amalek. He was up in the mountain uh, for 40 days and 40 nights, uh, evidently sustained by the presence and power of the Spirit of God to have gone without 
food, as far as we know from the narrative, for that duration. And now we come to this sacred scene where Moses meets with God, talks to God face to face as though he's talking to a friend. Moses returns to the camp. Joshua remains behind. Here's the question I have for you. At what point in your life have you made the decision to embrace the Lord, the God of heaven, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of mankind, of the souls of men? At what point have you made a personal decision to know this God for yourself? You see, we are looking at the life of Joshua. But Joshua made a personal commitment to know God for himself. And this perhaps was a decision that was being added upon with each passing event, whether in a life or death struggle or in the high points of one's spiritual life, meeting with God, in this case, Moses receiving uh, the Ten Commandments. But now he's made a personal decision that he wants to know God for himself. And I want to say, this really is perhaps a life and death struggle. It is a battle for the minds and hearts of men. This is not just a uh, uh, if you will, a passing decision that I'm going to gather uh, with uh, fellow Christians or I'm going to go to church, I'm going to do a better job at whatever, you know, perhaps uh, having a devotional life and so forth. This is a spiritual battle for the affections of your heart, the uh, abilities of your being, of your mind, the strength of your person, the commitment to devote yourself in such a manner that a knowledge of God becomes your primary pursuit above all others. And this young man made a decision at a critical point in his life that will affect future events in his life. But it starts with the most important and immediate decision today, in this moment. And that's a commitment that only you will be able to make. And so he chose intimacy with God. He chose to pursue a knowledge of the invisible. This experience can only be gained by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and a personal commitment to walk with God. It can't happen any other way. And uh, Exodus 33 really gives us a picture into the life of Joshua. Now, what's noteworthy is that not too long from this point, of course, they came to uh, Kadesh Barnea, and uh, most of you will be familiar with the fact that they sent spies into the land, and uh, all the spies except two brought back a scathing report 
of the land, that it, it, it ate up its inhabitants, their giants in the land, and yet they brought the evidence of the, the, um, the fruitfulness of the land. And ten of the spies that went in turned the hearts of the people against the promises of God, which he made to their forefathers to bring them to this land. So God had been faithful up until this point without fail. And yet the people concluded in their hearts that Jehovah brought them to, to this point to kill them. And this was uh, just a, a monumental crisis in the life of this nation. But what's important here is the manner in which uh, Joshua dealt with disappointment. Now, remember, he had learned and had cultivated a walk with God, a relationship with the invisible God, the God of heaven and earth. And now he is faced with the circumstance where the aggregate, um, in fact, the entire nation, except for two men apart from Moses, uh, hearts turned from this milestone event. And it was a national crisis in that Jehovah concluded because of the uh, sentiment of the people concerning this great promise that has finally come to pass and they refused to enter in. He judged those that were 20 years and older to uh, be doomed to wander in the desert 40 years until that entire generation, 20 years and above, perished. And their children, 19 and below, would come into the land. So it took 40 years, 40 years of Joshua's life spent suffering for the failure of someone else. And in that entire time, we have never heard a complaint by this man of God because his trust was in Jehovah. And let's add to that. Jehovah specified that there were only two men that will enter into the land. That is Caleb and Joshua, because their hearts were right towards God, towards his promises. They were faithful. They were ready to do the will of God. And so we see in the life of Joshua that he chose life based on his knowledge of who the invisible God is, based on his knowledge of Jehovah, the God of Israel, he chose life. He chose to walk with God in spite of the circumstances and even in the circumstances as it turned out to his detriment. And yet, he never complained. And so, in a time of failure, God remained faithful to this man in promising him that he would preserve his life to see the fulfillment of the faithfulness of God. And I want to say to you, many of us want to bargain with God. You know, if a sort of if-then equation. If I'm faithful to God, then God must do the following for me. And you really cannot approach your relationship with God in that manner. It requires a complete commitment on your part to walk with God, no matter what. There is no guarantee that you or your children will be successful. 
There's no guarantee of a life that is disease-free. There's no guarantee that there will be success in business or in career endeavors. There's no guarantee. What is guaranteed is that God is faithful and he has promised to be with us no matter what the circumstances. He has set himself to provide for our needs no matter what the circumstances. He has promised to provide grace in the hour of trial, no matter what the circumstances. He has, if you will, covenanted to live within us in the presence of the Spirit of God. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians 6, as well as 2 Corinthians 6, to be and to make our bodies his temple, his shrine, his sacred dwelling place. God is with us. But we have to make a commitment to know him. So we, we come uh, to Joshua's life. And uh, when we look back, we see his commitment in mortal combat. We see his uh, commitment to Moses in being with him in the mount. And whatever the duration was, in this case, 40 days, 40 nights, he stood the test of that duration. When uh, those sacred moments came that God spoke with Moses and Moses returned to the camp, Joshua remained behind because he endeavored to know God for himself. And I want to say to you, my friend, when we think of uh, the, the notion of being beside still waters with God, it necessitates a personal commitment, a personal commitment that whatever it takes, you endeavor to establish a relationship, a fellowship, a dynamic interaction with the living God of heaven and earth, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I often remind myself that there is no greater calling there are many things that we might do in our local uh, churches and in, in our, if you will, the uh, venues that we choose to serve God in whatever capacity. And that's noteworthy and that's good because others become the beneficiaries of our devotion to God. But at the end of the day, it is a love relationship that we are seeking to establish with God, a love relationship. God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's commitment to us, to the entire world, irrespective of uh, uh, race, creed, uh, religious persuasion. God's love is set towards man, but he desires man's love and faith and trust in him. And that is a relationship like no other. And so we come to the life of Joshua and eventually Moses dies. But essentially he disobeyed God uh, with respect to uh, providing um, 
water for the people in terms of how the Lord told him uh, to execute this task. And it was not done uh, as he was uh, uh, commanded. And add to that, he did it in a spirit of anger. And as a result, he lost the privilege. Nonetheless, God had Joshua waiting in the wings to take over the leadership of the nation. Now, the next few thoughts are important because we are told in in Joshua chapter 1 that it came to pass after the death of Moses that Jehovah uh, spoke to Joshua. Okay? He spoke to Joshua. Now, what is important and the contrast is to be noted. Throughout Moses' life, there were several instances where God's presence was visibly seen. The pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. We have the, uh, the exhibitions of his power on Mount Sinai. So the people and everyone could see the visible manifestation of the God of Israel in such a manner and heard his voice that it was a terrifying experience. But when we come to the book of Joshua, there's a an important transition because God is in fact not going to manifest himself necessarily by these physical manifestations, but he commands Joshua, aside from giving his giving him promises, he commands Joshua to make the meditation on the law and the commandments his daily exercise day and night, day and night. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do all that is written therein, and then you will make your way prosperous. So now we come to a major transition. The same God who manifested himself in in Evidences that were, uh, if you will, overwhelming to the senses, now says to this man, that's going to be a minimum. But the same heart, the same God who spoke on the mount is the same God that will speak through the word to this man. And his only task that would guarantee his success is that as he thinks carefully and prayerfully on what The Spirit of God is saying through the Word of God manifested in the law of God. He would make his way prosperous as long as he committed to doing what he was told. So where where does that leave you and me? Well, this transition is important because when a man chooses life, over loss. And I say a man, I'm using the generic term. We will have to make a decision that when we open the scriptures, as we are told, it is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. In it, God reveals his will and himself. And it's not just the exercise of meditating on its contents, but as, those, as that content resonates 
and takes root in our hearts and minds, we become responsive to the presence of the Holy Spirit of God to do the will of God. As he draws us to fellowship with God, to meet with God, just as Joshua did in that tent, the same way that Moses met with God in that tent, we now are moved by the Spirit of God to meet with God in a place of quiet, of privacy, of, uh, as Jesus says, a closet, a sacred place where it is just you and God. Now, that requires discipline as well, and many of us are want for discipline to take the time to be with God, and then we wonder, well, why is it that nothing seems to happen? Well, the reason nothing happens is I ask you the question, are you committed to knowing God for yourself? It requires an investment of your heart, your affections, your time. Like every relationship that's worthwhile, there must be an investment of who I am, not only for the good, but for my good as well. And so now, as Joshua is uh, exhorted, there must be an investment of who I am as well. And so as Joshua has been exhorted, I too am exhorted by the presence and power of the Spirit of God in my life to take time to be alone with God. In fact, the watchword, if you will, is to meet with God beside still waters. And that's the euphemism, if you will, to set aside time to know the living God himself. God has promised to reveal himself to those who seek him with the whole heart, meaning heart, soul, mind, strength. It requires a complete commitment on my part. And when I look at the life of Joshua, this man chose life over loss. He chose to go the way of faith, the way of trust, the way of commitment, to meet with God, to walk with God, irrespective of the circumstances that he had to face. And in some of those circumstances, it, it resulted in disappointment and loss, but not loss to him. You see, when we walk with God, loss is not interpreted in the same way because we have the presence of God with us. My friend, this is the question I ask you today. When you look at the panorama of your life, is it clear to you that God is with you? Can you see the fingerprint of his light, of his uh, presence on your life? Is it clear that God has been working day by day, month by month, year after year, where you see the handiwork of his grace in your life? Does it strengthen you to continue to trust God, given what you have seen in past years? I urge you, my friend, choose life. The momentary 
enjoyments that we have in this life will soon pass. They pass quickly. The things that we devote ourselves that may not devote ourselves to that may not have eternal value, they're going to pass really quickly. And then when we uh, do a retrospective look on the years that are behind us, for some of us, it might be with regret because we have not devoted ourselves to the highest calling that any human being can have in this life, and that is to establish a relationship with God no matter what. Oh, my friend, I urge you today, I appeal to you. I appeal to your reason. I appeal to your heart. Whatever you do, however long uh, you may have lived, do not let the days that are perhaps ahead of you to be wasted time. Let it be filled with a commitment to uh, establish a relationship with God such that you see his hand in your life, you see the evidence of answered prayer, you experience a, a deepening of your love and an appreciation for who God is. And this uh, uh, growing intimacy will not only affect you, but it will affect those around you. They will become the people that you know, the friends that you have, the relatives, your family, whomever, will become the beneficiaries of a growing love and appreciation for God. They will be the beneficiaries of your obedience and devotion to God. Oh, I'm trusting and praying that this will be your experience. And as you and I quiet ourselves in the presence of God, let us appeal to him to provide grace and the necessary strength to pursue him with all our hearts. When we meet God beside still waters. Thank you for joining Besides Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Besides Still Waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of God's presence to receive guidance, light, and grace to live by faith. I hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of God. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast. To stay connected, please follow Christian Javois on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.